Instagram, or Facebook. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon, welcome back. Five minutes after the hour of 11 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. Uh, more NFL draft talk coming up at the bottom of the hour, but right now we're grateful that his schedule allowed him to push back from Monday, where Matt Snyder always joins us during baseball season uh, at 11.05 to discuss the weekend and look ahead to the week, but we do so today after a crazy day of all the draft talk yesterday. Matt Snyder joins us, and I'm looking at his Twitter feed, pretty apparent he roots for the Bears pretty excited about that new QB, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I was pretty jacked. It's it's been a long time since I was so excited about something that wasn't actually a game. So yeah, you know, whatever. It was. Uh, we'll see how it translates. I, as a Bears fan, I'm already in the mode where I'm like, uh oh, I care way too much. I'm way too excited. <laughs> this can only end badly. <laughs> so is my partner. Yep, been there many times. Yeah. It's an organization that has beaten me down, that has left me pretty much every season, even when it looks position. like on paper, yeah, that yep. they're going to be all right. I just, it's difficult to get excited. They're sucking us back in, Matt. You know how this is going to end yep. in disaster. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's not, boys. You're going to be all right, fine. All right. This this is your guy. I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft. I, I, yeah, I think he's going to be great. I'm looking forward to the Bears having a QB and not having to listen about it anymore. <laughs> and you guys are, are are grateful that you don't have to talk about uh-huh. it anymore. So let's get to MLB. As um, you know, I don't want to push the panic button. If you're the Dodgers, that would be ridiculous to do so. But I mean, it's a long season and it's baseball, and I guess everybody goes through one of these. Peri- I just didn't think that they would, Matt. I didn't see that kind I didn't of. Either. I mean, I know they got well on Sunday, but now they got a double dip against the Cubs. And, you know, the Cubs are pitching somebody today by the name of Keegan Thompson in game number two. Good luck. Um, but but what, do you, what do we make about the Dodgers? And, and anything to get worried about or no? Yeah, if we can stick with the Chicago fan, doom and gloom, my hunches that are just about to get right because yeah. they're playing the Cubs right now. Uh, you know, I... I didn't like you said. I did not think that they were going to go through this bad of a stretch. They lost ten out of thirteen uh, through Saturday. Uh, there were, are a lot of injuries, uh, especially in, in the bullpen. They've been dealing with a lot of stuff, uh, position player wise. I mean, when Matt Beatty and, and AJ Pollock are your guys and your big breakthrough on Sunday, it, it just shows. You know, they're down Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, and Mookie Betts are not hitting right now. I just didn't think it would be this long of a slump. You know, you figure, oh, they'll they'll lose three or four, but then they'll be okay. But ten out of thirteen is a, is a pretty decent stretch lengthwise. I did not think they were going to go through anything like that, but they're still in perfectly fine shape. Big picture wise, they're probably going to be okay. The only thing I just wrote about it yesterday. The only thing that you really take away from it is we're not going to get to talk about if they can win 116 games by the Mariners' record because that's off the table now. When you lose 10 out of 13, there just isn't the math just doesn't work out. They can't play like a 130 win team the rest of the season. The surprising part to me is not. The Dodgers have a bad stretch. Now, this is a little bit worse, I think, than anybody would have anticipated. We figured the yeah. Padres maybe were going to push them, but the D-backs at least have a pulse. Yeah. 
and the first place San Francisco mm. Giants. Giants. I, I think we yeah. touched on it just last week. Is this sustainable? No. Week number two nah. of the question. Is this sustainable? Nah. I, I mean, I, I think that they're, they're definitely better than a lot of people thought they would be. But, I mean, I'm not seeing anything like 85-plus wins. No, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that. I will say, though, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how they seem to be able in this under this regime, which is relatively new, uh, to, to find pitchers and make them their best versions of themselves. We've seen it with Kevin Gossman now ongoing. It looks like we're seeing it with Alex Wood. It looks like we're seeing it with Anthony Disclafani. I'm very impressed with how they can grab guys and, and make them into something. And, and it's not just, oh, they have a pitcher's park. Uh, it's the strikeout rate. Uh, they're they're really getting something out of these guys. Yeah, that's for sure, and I don't see it uh, lasting either, but so far. You know what else I didn't see coming, Matt Snyder, from CBSSports.com? I thought the National League East was going to be a bunch of really good teams (laughs) (laughs) battling each other. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe they're beating each other up. I'm not sure that's it. But there's only one team that has a 500 record. Everybody's below 500. The Nationals are 500. They played fewer games because of the COVID shutdown at the beginning of the year. Year. But but nonetheless, what is wrong with that division? And I think in particular, if we were to call out a culprit that's really not pulling the their share of the weight, it would be the Braves. But overall, what is wrong with that division? I you know it, a lot of different answers there on an individual team basis. You know, like you said, the Braves they just can't get right. It seems like you know the, the Braves they, they started zero four, then they won four in a row, and you thought, oh okay, they're fine now. But then they lost four in a row. And then they got to nine and ten, and then they lost four in a row again. They're, they just can't get anything right, other than Ronald Acuna Jr. being an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else has just gone awry. Uh, and then you look at the Mets; the offense is hopelessly broken behind a pitching staff that should be amazing and has been for a lot of the season. Uh, I feel like those two teams are still going to be really good. I feel like the Phillies were getting exactly we're we're seeing exactly what we're going to get for the whole year and and honestly probably the same thing with the nationals i think the phillies and the nationals are both going to be kind of inconsistent but have really high highs um and pretty low lows but i I do think that the mets and braves eventually are going to get things going and be both pretty good but i do yeah like like you mentioned some of it's probably them beating up on each other the mets lindor has been awful awful now they yeah. fire Chili Davis, and not just Chili Davis, who Cubs fans I think will remember very well, but also his assistant. So you're going two hitting coaches out the door here in general. Take it the Chili Davis away if you want, but in general, firing hitting coaches, this seems like it never works. In general, I think it's scapegoating. Yeah. Uh, if the offense is broken, and you know what, it's a lot of this is, early season versus middle of season. You know, if you go through a stretch in the middle of season where a guy's in a slump for two weeks, you don't think near as much of it. But if it happens at the start of the year and you see that number and it looks so terrible, then you you overreact. And so many people are way overreacting about Francisco Lindor. He's going to be fine. Uh, In general, I, I, like I said, I think it's scapegoating to, to just fire the hitting coach, but Chili Davis, I mean, the, he was with the Red Sox for a few years. They fired him, and they, they, they took a whole new approach, and they were historically good in 2018. Right. If you look at the Cubs' offensive numbers, 2015, 16, 17, first half of 2018, 
one of the best offenses in baseball. Second half of 2018 after Chili Davis has been there a whole year, one of the worst offenses in baseball. And a lot of those guys have been kind of broken ever since. So I, 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 I think this guy worrying so much about uh, we need to use all fields, we don't care about hitting it in the air, we want to hit I, I, I think he's got a fish out of water at this point, and I think that it's possible that it had a, a profound effect on these hitters. Now, how do you unpack that on the fly when you have to play every single day? That's a tougher question. I want to go to the Kansas City Royals, who seemingly they had a tough weekend uh, in the Twin Cities, got beat again last night. It was good to see this lefty Lynch. Boy's a big kid, six foot six. I think they've got something there. First round pick from a couple of years. He's already in the show uh, and didn't look out of place last night. Um, but what do we make about what do we make of the Royals? Are they starting to come back to the pack a little bit? Obviously, the White Sox got another blow with Robert being out now until probably September. Cleveland scuffling the Twins, maybe playing a. I don't know if they've turned the proverbial corner yet, but there's yeah. some hope there. They might have. Um, yeah, as you pointed out, the nine inning games are really good. They just can't win in extras. Yeah. but to the Royals and Lynch and, and are the are Royals kind of coming back to the pack a little bit, or what do you what do you what do you see there? Yeah, I think it's as it's as simple as that. It's as simple as what we've talked about before. It's a 162 game season. Things tend to even out. Uh, I think we're just seeing some evening out effect. Well, I, I think they're better. Like I said, I, I said from the get-go, their over-under was 72 wins. I took the over. I thought they were better than that. But I never thought that they were like going to win the division or anything like that. So when you jump out to a start where I believe just two days ago or so, they had the best record in baseball. Yep. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, that, that's obviously going to even out. So that's what we're seeing. And on the Twins, I mean, it. Trent, I tell you, you've got a window here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're starting to play better. The White Sox are down uh, Jimenez and now Luis Robert, uh, and they've been inconsistent. And you know, there's whispers about Tony La Russa problems in the, the clubhouse. I don't trust the Indians at all because of their offense, and the Royals are coming back to earth. Meanwhile, the Twins have won four or five. Yeah, I think. It might not be long before the Twins are in first place. Watching Simmons day in and day out now defensively, just how good he is. Kirilov has come up and has been the stick that was anticipated, yeah. making his debut in the playoffs last year. Miguel Sano, this might be the odd man out. Mm-hmm. There might not be a spot for him anymore. But regardless, it's exciting to see this team feel like they can get there. And if you're a betting man, uh, like we are, are here on this program, <laughs> you can get them at a really good price to win that division because another injury for the White Sox here just even though they're the division rival and, and it's fun to rub a little salt in the wounds of my White Sox buddies here at our station you hate to see something like that with what they've already dealt with injury wise yeah yeah you always want to beat somebody at full strength mm-hmm. like you know I just mentioned like what we talked about earlier I, me being a Bears fan I, I want to beat the Packers but I don't want to do it with Aaron Rodgers hurt I want to beat Aaron Rodgers you know so it's if you're a Twins fan, you want to beat the White Sox with Jimenez and Robert, not with everybody being hurt. And Robert, you know, he's so good defensively, so fun to watch. It looked like he might have been having an offensive breakout year. And to see him go down like that, that's a tough injury, too. The hip flexor being torn. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know how many examples we have of guys who have done that. So uh, hopefully he can come back to full strength. You know, I want to go back to LaRusso for just a second, Matt. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Uh, I, I don't think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's, it's some of his in-game decision-making that's got people yeah. wondering if, uh, you know, the game has passed him by a little bit, right? And there's, I think there's been a number of them, and that was only in the first month of the season, for crying out loud. Is there's, Are there starting to be some, maybe they're louder than whispers in the clubhouse or, um, amongst the players and their skipper? It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it's a problem. Uh, you know, he's been in clubhouses so long, you think that he would be able to go and have conversations and talk to guys and, and try to smooth things over and try to get better on the fly, but gosh, he hasn't managed since 2011. And, I, I mean, it was, I want to say even the first week of the season, but I pointed it out on Twitter, one of the things that drives me crazy about these so-called old-school minds is how they manage to his stat. Like, you act like all the, the new-age guys, these stat geeks, they care too much about stats, but then you're desperately trying to get a pitcher through five innings because you have to get him a win. Or you won't put in your best reliever because it's not a save situation. And mm-hmm. he still is a slave to, to some of these things, which it, it, you should never be managing to a stat. If you have a situation where these are the three biggest outs of the game in, in relief, you bring in Liam Hendricks. I don't care if it's a save situation or not because a stat – should not dictate how I'm going to manage. He still is kind of a slave to some of these old ways. Um, and I, I don't know what it's going to take to break him. I don't know if he can break him, but it seems to be a problem in the clubhouse right now. Tonight, big national game as the Yankees will welcome in the Astros the first time they faced off since the infamous ALCS a couple of years back. And with it, We've already seen a few things that have come out. What, what was it that came down from the stands? The trash cans coming down. Yankee yeah. State of tonight. It's not going to be a full boat. There's not going to be 55,000 Yankee fans Too screaming bad. at them. But the seed tonight should be a pretty good one, Matt. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be pretty rowdy. I mean, like you said, it's not like it's going to be a full house or anything, but it almost feels like it's just going to be the most rowdy fans that'll be there <laughs> and not. You know the the fillers. You always have like what 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 percentage of the crazies? Are like twenty percent of the fans are the crazy ones. Well, it's only if it's only at twenty percent capacity, it's just going to be the crazy people and not all the fillers. So I think it'll be fun. I, I think it'll. I don't think anybody's in any danger of getting hurt or anything. Any, any players, but I think we we might see some stuff thrown on the field. We might see. We'll definitely hear chants. You know, you know, you know they love to do the roll call anyway. But yeah. I think there will be a lot of chants toward the Astros. It should be pretty fun. I love the roll call with, with the, the bleacher creatures. That, that's good stuff. Yeah. No, I almost hesitate to ask you this because I'm a Broncos fan and I brought them up in the first hour of the program. <laughs> and I'm about to ask you about my my baseball team, and that's the Blue Jays. Um, I'm excited about this team, Matt, and I don't mind saying so. I mean, Vladdy Guerrero is looking like... It, it, it was um, it was him and Tatis, right? These are the two young guys, the young yep. faces of their respective leagues, and Tatis really took off, and we've seen, and he hasn't stopped. Uh, Guerrero didn't get that start last year. He came to camp, he was overweight. Uh, things uh, things did not go well until this year, when he looks as though he's maybe on the cusp of living up to those high expectations. That team overall, Matt's got beat last night. I think they can pitch. Uh, Springer can't stay healthy at least so far. He played a couple of games, and it looks like. Boom, right back on the injured list again. But the Blue Jays, can they win the East? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. I, I don't know if I would pick them right now, but I, I think you have every 
every right to be very optimistic right now. I mean, you look at where they are. They're in really good shape as it is. Their entire pitching staff has been hurt, basically. Uh, Springer's been out almost the whole year. Uh, Biggio hasn't hit. Guriel hasn't hit. Hernandez hasn't hit. Vlad looks like a superstar right now. Not not a future superstar. He looks like a superstar right now. If all the other guys around the order start hitting along with him, that's a scary lineup. And again, they've barely even been at full strength. And and like I said, the the entire rotation has been banged up. The you know they on the bullpen they've had to change a bunch of things on the fly. To to have the record that they have right now with all the things that have gone wrong, and then looking at if things start to click, it feels. Like I said, they're they're one of the teams I'm actually most optimistic about. Well, we'll take it. Good stuff. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. He covers Major League Baseball. That's where you can read him. You can hear him with us uh, normally every Monday at 11.05. We're grateful for that. Matt, have a good week. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yep, you do the same. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Good stuff in our weekly baseball, around baseball conversation. Always enjoy that. You know, last night we were excited because at the time our program was finishing, I told you during the break, we are going to get Otani against Glass now. Yeah, they changed it. And Otani got yeah. scratched. And I see he's not scheduled tonight either. He got so, hit by a pitch is that Sunday. What it, was? it hit him in the elbow pad. Yeah. Because he wears a big huh. elbow pad. Right. He stayed in the game. He played last night in the field. I understand playing with kid gloves with him, right? Sure. Because of the injuries, but anytime, he's just, he is so exciting. Hmm. That team, that just one step forward, one step back. Quintana last night is just not good. No, I don't, I don't know what it is about that team either. I, I'm with you. I mean, they got the, maybe the best couple of players in the game, for crying out loud. Takes a roster of 26, though. Indeed it does. Uh, well, it's uh, time for another $1,000 home run. We, uh, you got another home run that you can share with us? I got one teed up. And Nolan Arenado rounded into a 4-6-3 double play. First time up. The 1-2 pitch. Arenado! Way back at the wall. My man called it. He called it, and we're tied. Nolan has tied it up 5 5. A hitter that From 5 2 to 5 5 with a swing of a bat. And they add one more, and that's the only scoring. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we had the Sunday highlight from the Cardinals here. The highlight from last night. They get that lead, and then they're good. They, just they completely were last shut night. it. Reyes was terrific. In, in, He's uh, been really yeah. good. He's, he's looked good. Looked Eight good last saves night. already? I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that after he closed it out last night. I missed the lights being shut down. But <laughs> yeah. I, I knew he had been kind of helping down there. But what is it? The Galegos guy, he's really good. Uh-huh. That bullpen got some pieces. They got, are going to push the brew crew. Well, they're tied now. They're, they're right, 17 and 12, both of them. Who are you taking? Are you sticking with yes, your brewers? brewers. That's because I bet them. <laughs> you, you did, right? You're rooting for them. Yes. Taking the rooting interest um, away. I, See, I, I thought, still think the Brewers because of those two heavy heads at the top of the rotation. And speaking of good bullpens, uh, yeah, right. they have that too. And with that lefty at the back and yeah. Hader's not bad either. Keston Hira, you see, he got sent down. So I was watching the beginning because it he started did? six. I didn't know that of the Brewers game, and right away it was. Yeah, a Brian Anderson didn't do it last night. He did I was not. Disappointed. Right. Yeah, and uh, Schroeder was good as always. I, I yeah, I like him. I get a kick out of it, but him. I didn't like the play-by-play no. guy. But Kane's home run, I mean, crushed. <laughs> yes. Oh. So I had it out there. That one got Jack excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. 
he he thought that one was pretty sweet. So that was his first at bat coming off the injury list too. And he just saw that thing and belted <laughs> it out to the Tony. Uh, what's the steakhouse place out there in Philly? Out there, uh, out in left center field. But here it gets sent down. I thought this guy was going to be a star. He wasn't able to stick at second base no, defensively. They brought Wong in, right? Who's as good as there is. So they moved him first because they thought the bat was going to. And now mm-hmm. the bat isn't there. I didn't know they got. They sent him down. They, Look, he's been an adventure in the field. Mm-hmm. He, he's learning how to play a new position. He's but they figured water. he'd be able to swing the bat. Uh-huh. He's not even doing that. Wow, that's I'm a not problem. giving up on him though. No, I think he's uh, too much talent. And yeah. he's what 22, 23? Still sure. young. All right, let's get to that keyword before we forget. We get off on a tangent here. It's time to hit that another $1,000 home run. You just heard it. Uh, that was Nolan Arenado. That's not the keyword, however. Go to kxno.com. Enter the keyword son, either S-U-N or S-O-N, either one of those sons, may give you $1,000. That's son at kxno.com. More NFL draft talk and a look ahead to 2022. Athletics uh, mock draft has come out. No Cyclone, one Hawkeye, Trevor Lindebaum to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 31st overall in the first round. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO, 106. The Central Iowa Sports Network is your home for year-round coverage of high school athletics in the CIML and the only place to watch Des Moines Menace Soccer. Providing coverage year-round and always streaming for free on YouTube and at CISN.TV. Subscribe to CISN TV on YouTube to stay up to date on upcoming events. Like and follow on Facebook and Twitter at CISN TV or visit their website at CISN.TV. CISN TV, the home for live local sports. Are you overdue for your dental appointment? Now is the perfect time to get your dream smile. And Fuller Family Dentistry accepts most insurance plans. Fuller Associates Family Dentistry offers a relaxed family atmosphere, anxiety and pain management, and the ability to give you the smile that you deserve. As a family-owned and operated business, Dr. Fuller has been practicing dentistry for over 30 years. Fuller Family Dentistry is located near Grandview Golf Course in Des Moines in Altoona on 8th Street. Come see what the buzz is all about and check them out on Instagram and available coupons vary. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Well, we talked a lot about the you know, the four regional teams and how they did uh, draft weekend or how we perceived them to do on draft weekend. We had somebody come in and help us out with all of those squads. Let's go kind of around the league, shall we, from the draft network. And I hope I'm not saying his uh, last name wrong, but Trevor Sickman joins us. Trevor, how did I do on, on your uh, on your last name? Trevor, was I close? You did great, Sikma. You nailed it. Bang. You got the you got the phonetic right. So yeah. I really I appreciate that. As somebody who grew up playing hockey and having the announcers butcher his name all the time when I was a little kid, I do very much appreciate when radio hosts could get it right on the first try. <laughs> you did a good job. Well, let me stop you right there because oh, you got boy. my full undivided attention. Here we right go. Now. Here we go. My <laughs> Canadian partner over there. <laughs> so, where did you play hockey? Just uh, where? Where did you grow up? You uh, believe it or not, just south of Tampa, Florida. 
that's where I grew up playing hockey. Unbelievable. Now, there's a kid who just got drafted a couple years ago from that area, too. And I think he began on rollerblades and then got on the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, well, (laughs) good stuff. Go ahead. I was I was going to say I was big time rollerblading at yeah. first, but then uh, you know they have a hockey team down there, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure. I don't know if you know the Stanley Cup champions. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, and so then I started getting real into to ice hockey after that. Wherever you know the wherever the ice wouldn't melt in the state of Florida. Yeah, tough to find. I'm assuming. Uh, conversely, <laughs> I grew up in Winnipeg, and it was it was pretty easy to find. Anyway, so let's go, let's go on to the uh, to the NFL draft. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, three days of television. I do, especially the first round. It's so good. I know you do a mock draft. When you look back on on yours, you know when you grade your paper. Now that it's all said and done, and in particular the first round, where was your? Where were you right? And where did you? Where did your mock draft go wrong? Well, I mean, I don't mean to brag over <laughs> here or anything, but uh, I actually had a top five mock draft in the industry when it came to accuracy. Oh boy, I had this one pretty well and you know the, the, the biggest area i think that was the difference for me is i lost a lot of points once dallas didn't have the chance to take the corner mm-hmm. you know and that's what i think really the draft started to get very very interesting in real life even outside of mock drafts is i think the dallas cowboys ran a ton of simulations countless amounts of simulations and they had one of two guys available jc horn and patrick Sertan. and here we go in real life eight and nine it's those two guys mm-hmm. right off the board and so dallas comes on the board at number 10 and i think they went what the heck do we do now? And I think that you saw that because I believe that not only their selection, but the way that they went about it was a bit of a panic move. Now, some people would say, hey, good on them to buy a little bit more time, trade back, get some extra draft capital. And yeah, I hear you there, but you also got to realize what the situation was. They were trading back with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Justin Fields was still on the board. They traded back with the Philadelphia Eagles to perhaps allow them to draft their franchise quarterback. I just think that they were just really scrambling to make something happen. I like Micah Parsons as a player, but I don't know how much better he makes Dallas giving their defense. And so I think that that's really where it started to all kind of get crazy. You know, Justin Fields going right after that. I mean, you figured he was going to go somewhere in the 10 to 15 range just because that's the vibe that we were getting from the NFL. But outside of that, there weren't a lot of big unexpecteds for me in the first round. It was more just, players going in a little bit of a different order than I would have predicted. And so I think that really that Dallas pick is what changed a lot going down the line. But overall, even though it was very, very exciting, you could see why teams went with certain players because it made them a lot better. And that's what was easy to see even before the draft. So so let me jump in here, Trent, just one more. Because mm-hmm. you bring up something I never thought of, and I think it's a, a valid point. Do you think that um, the, the Dallas asked Philadelphia who they were moving up for? Because if they were moving up for fields, what the hell would you help them out for, right? <laughs> yeah, I, they, yeah, no. Did they have a promise? I, I agree with you 100% with what in the world can you do, and I don't believe it's common practice to tell the team right. who you're trading for moving up, and so especially when it's a divisional team. And you know what? Maybe so much was at stake. Maybe, said, maybe Dallas said, hey, who do you want? And if it was a quarterback, they wouldn't have pulled the trigger. But I couldn't stop thinking about that on draft night when it happened that Dallas almost had a situation where they moved back and gave Philly their future franchise quarterback, which would have just seen, been seen as a nightmare from Dallas's draft perspective. And so maybe they did. I, I don't think it's that common of practice to, to be able to say something like that, but perhaps Dallas was like, okay, you can move up here, but don't take Justin Fields, even though, I don't know, maybe a wink-wink, a, a finger mm-hmm. cross, something. Maybe they could have done it anyways. 
Trevor, let's uh, AFC West. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They did their work before the draft, making the trade and bringing in Orlando Brown Jr. Great. That offensive line looks solidified. The Chargers, they got a ton of talent. And the Broncos, well, we await June 1st and possibly the Aaron Rodgers trade that'll happen for them. And then you're left with the Las Vegas Raiders. They take Alex Leatherwood around too high, yet they get Trayvon Morig from TCU, who we saw a lot in the Big 12 here in our area, who I think is a tremendous safety. If those two picks flip-flopped, if they would have taken Morig in the first round and Leatherwood in the second, you gave them a a draft grade of D. Does it become a C if they just flip-flop those two picks? I mean, it's it's certainly easier to stomach, but even with that being the case, I feel, you know, look, I had Merrick as my my safety one. You know, I had him as the best safety in this class. I love what he was able to do at TCU. I thought he showed a great understanding of everything that was going on. He was a good communicator. He understood how to play those single high center fielder roles, which gives you the maximum value of the safety position. And so I felt like he was able to do a lot of different things to that TCU defense, and I felt like he could do that in the NFL. That being said, the rest of the league clearly wasn't as high on him and this safety class in general. So even with them picking Merrick at 17, I would have been like, uh, okay, you've got offensive line needs, you've got defensive line needs, you've got linebacker needs, but you're kind of overdrafting Merrick when you didn't really need him to, when you didn't really need to. The Leatherwood pick is, yeah, it doesn't look great because of all the other offensive linemen that were on the board, and not only on the board, into the early second round, right? There were so many guys that you could have, chosen like uh like Liam Eikenberg and Tevin Jenkins and Dylan Radins and Samuel Cosme all of these guys still available and you know the most confusing part for me with the Raiders is drafting the three safeties they did I understand that they might want to go big nickel packages more often get those three safeties on the field but even with that being the case they've got Jonathan Abrams they have Jeff Teeth, they have Carl Joseph like who's now getting mm, cut yeah. like who who's not playing on this team and so I just I don't understand really how the Raiders got that much better this weekend, even if you like Merrick as a starting safety, and even if Alex Leatherwood is an okay right tackle. Like I just feel the draft is more than just those two picks, and if the Raiders hit on them, okay, that's probably best-case scenario, but I don't really know what they're doing with the rest of these group of guys. And I've just come to the conclusion that I am not going to see the draft the same way that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are. <laughs> that's just we're, – we're, we're three drafts into this, and – They've been questionable drafts every single year. And so, look, more power to them if they get their guy and it works out. But I guess we're just not going to see eye to eye. Trevor Sickman from the Draft Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Uh, Trevor, stats say that one of these first-round quarters, at least one of these first-round quarterbacks, is not going to make it. It's going to be uh, titled, uh, you know, hung the bust name hung on him at some point. Who might that be? Who did you maybe you thought that they were going to be drafted there, but you weren't in love with? Which one of these quarterbacks is the likely not the likeliest not to make it? Well, I think the Mac Jones spot is probably the most interesting to me because I think the other franchises that drafted their quarterbacks, they're going to be all in on them no matter what, right? I mean, I think that the, the, the Jets clearly are not going to fall to the same mistake they did after they drafted Sam Donald to not get him a lot of help. They showed that later on draft weekend after they selected him. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I, I can't imagine they're going to fail him or, or fail to surround him with plenty of weapons to make that work. The same with Trey Lance, and certainly everything in Chicago leans on Justin Fields, so it's going to be all about him. Jones is interesting because Jones is not anywhere near the same style of quarterback that Cam Newton is. And, yeah, Cam Newton signed a short-term, one-year deal that's got heavy incentives in it, but – 
you know, who do you think is more pro-ready right now, a former MVP in Cam Newton as long as he is healthy? Or do you think it's Mac Jones? Because if that's the case, then you're probably going to go into the season with Cam Newton as your starter. If you're going into the season with Cam Newton as your starter, then you've designed an offense around Cam Newton. You can't just then throw Mac Jones into that same similar offense. It's not going to be nearly the same. There's going to be a lot more power running elements to it, and it's going to be a much more ground-based attack. And so I just maybe it's not a long-term bust thing, but the projection for when Mac Jones is really going to ascend and get on the field and take control of this team is different from these other guys. It's just a little bit murkier, a little bit more clouded of a path for him to walk. So I would tell you that Mac Jones is probably that one that I would name just because the situation isn't there or really streamlined for him with New England yet. You gave the Bears an A for your grades. Uh, of course, moving up, going to 11 to get Justin Fields, your takeaway from Fields and the Bears maybe finally officially have their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the best drafts that there is, no doubt about it. And I would tell you that the field selection at 11 is the best pick in the draft because of mm. what went on around it, right? I mean, you look at not only going to get Justin Fields, but think of the context. Brian Pace, Matt Nagy, their backs are against the wall. Mm-hmm. The, the arrow's got to point up or these guys might be gone. This might be a hot seat kind of a situation for both of these guys. And when you look at the the, the, the position that could have saved their jobs it was quarterback well who are they getting at 20 clearly they weren't even getting any of the five guys at 20 and so they went into the draft with a pretty bleak situation a bleak outlook in chicago and not only were they able to move up they were able to do it the right way they were patient with justin fields okay they didn't have to trade up in the top 10 to get a fortune which i don't think the owner really would have signed off on anyways and instead they get to do a deal with a general manager who is not familiar with trading back in Dave Gettleman. And so, honestly, when you look at the price from what it costs to go up from 20 to 11 to get a quarterback, it was a fair deal. It was, it was almost a steal at that point, just from the deal itself. And so I think that with that being the case, the Chicago Bears, of course, they keep their foot on the gas pedal. They go get Tevin Jenkins at the top of the second round. And I love a lot of the guys they were able to get on day three as well. And so for those reasons, I think that this had to be one of the best drafts that you saw. Uh, We're already starting to look ahead to 2022. I'm sure you guys at the Draft Network are as well. Um, Quarterback-wise, we saw a bunch of them go this year. The the, the speculation was, uh, the buzz was, is next year's quarterback class isn't going to be as good. Well, two years ago, we didn't see Joe Burrow coming. This year, we didn't see Zach Wilson coming uh, at this time of the uh, the calendar. Um, Is it fair to say that next year's quarterback class at this point doesn't live up to the, the, uh, the group that went this year or is it too early to say well i think that what you got to look at is there's some exciting quarterbacks there's some exciting names out there spencer rattler from oklahoma keaton slovis from usc desmond ritter from cincinnati uh, sam howell from unc right there are some exciting quarterbacks there but none of these guys or as a whole are nearly as polished as this current group that we just saw was going into the season and so anytime that's the case there's a lot more of a projection that has to happen. And with that being the case, I think that's when people get worried. It's not like the talent level, I believe, is much less. It's the fact that we haven't seen it as consistently with these other guys. And so there are big steps forward that are needed for even the guy who I believe has the highest ceiling in Spencer Rattler, a guy who in my way too early 2022 mock draft I had as the number one overall pick, even for him. He's got to get better with consistency. The ball placement's got to get better. The decision-making, the polish of playing the position for all of these guys that I just named, 
needs to take a big step forward if they're going to really contend for what we saw this past year with this quarterback class. You have your 2022 mock draft up. People can find that. No Iowa Iowa State player, though, listed. Any guys that were close to making the cut for either the Hawkeyes or the Cyclones? Any intriguing guys for you as uh, we look forward to 2022? Well, I mean, there's a handful of guys that that I think throughout the Big Ten could really really separate themselves. Uh, uh, Brees Hall is, is the main player who I think of um, because he's he's the guy who I think has a chance to go in the first round from mm-hmm. Iowa State. I, I think that he's probably – well, I, yeah, I think that it's fair. So even, a, even a year out, I'm trying to make sure that I say my words correctly, but I think <laughs> that it's fair to say he has a chance at the RB1 title. Mm-hmm. And we saw two running backs go in the first round this year, even with a stacked class. And so I think that Brees Hall is probably the guy that you definitely want to watch from Iowa State. He gives you the best outlook and the best profile as maybe a feature full-time back. And anytime that's the case, I think you got a chance of going in the top 32. Good stuff. The Draft Network is where you can read it. His mock draft is up right now. Uh, thedraftnetwork.com. Trevor's brought to us by betonline.ag. Trevor, good stuff. Uh, catch your breath. You got, now that this draft and the mock is ours, uh, maybe a little Thanks, time I off. Huh? Good for you. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. I'm some. So much needed sleep, really, coming up, hopefully. Good stuff. Trevor, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Trevor Sigma from the draftnetwork.com. Um, I'm with him, Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. I don't think Leonard Baum will get there. Because he's a center. Because he's a center. Yeah. I think Will McDonald is the most likely. Do you? I do. Up to, Better, yeah. He is what the NFL looks for mm-hmm. in terms of upside, yep. in terms of athletic ability. Yep. A position that label, and remember, this was a very bad draft for edge rushers in comparison to what we normally see. This was a down year, so because of that, next year a lot more teams are going to be looking for that next edge rusher. I think that even impacts it even more. For That's him. interesting. Who was the first edge rusher off the board this year? Was it Parsons at twelve? If you considered him an edge rusher, uh, was it? Yeah, Giddy uh, Payne. Giddy Payne. Giddy Payne. Yeah. I, because um, normally that is a top ten. Phillips, yep. But 18th? but in terms of depth, just yeah. not what you normally see. That's a good point. Never thought of it that way. It was quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Few receivers, mm-hmm. a couple old linemen. Well, one Penny Sewell, uh, corners, uh, Horn, Sertan. Uh, who went? Oh, Smith went ten. They moved Philly, moved up to get him, and then what? What happened at eleven? Trent Condon? Oh, they got the best quarterback of all time. <laughs> of all times, interesting. <laughs> uh, Trent's play of the day coming up next. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. One eight hundred bets off. Wolf Roofing has learned a few things over the years. We understand that no one wants their home improvement project to drag on. So at Wolf Roofing, we plan for your project well before we set foot on site. As a result, most projects are done. In one day. We also know quality is important in the big things like a proper installation and in the details like cleaning up well and using magnets to find stray nails. Find us on the web at wolfroofing.net or give us a call 225-80. You can see it. Picture it. The building you've always wanted. An expansion of your existing business. A new retail center where your growth really begins to take off. You've got the vision, but now what? Now you connect with Graphite Construction Group. Formerly Roshan Corporation of Iowa, Graphite Construction Group is the partner you want to match your vision. From the moment you first connect to long after the build is complete, nobody does it better than Graphite Construction Group. See why at GraphiteGR. 
right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Well, opening night down at the ballpark tonight, Trent Condon. The I-Cubs are home starting tonight through Sunday, um, 6.30, 6.30, 7 o'clock on, well, they're 8s, on the 8s for KCCI. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 7.08, and day baseball on Sunday. Great to see, right? It's been a freaking long time coming. These guys, can you imagine having to wait from September of 2019 before you get to go back I know that they all went to work, right? but this is what they do I, that off-season stuff for. I heard, uh, obviously, the twin side of it, but there are guys that are just talking about they're so sick of going through simulated games, seeing the exact same guys. Oh, sure. For the most part, they're your friends, and yeah. they just want to play somebody mm-hmm. else. We hear about this in football every August, but think of those guys that are trying to break through and just haven't been able to show it on the field. You're a AAA guy. You're... 27, 28, it's Sheesh. at the end. Right. And you feel like you've you've made the necessary improvements, but... Didn't no. get a chance to show it. Right. You spent the time at the alternate site. Right. <laughs> and yes, there are scouts and there are coaches there and they have that conversation, but you just, you ultimately don't know until you're doing it in a real game. Mm. These six-game series are going to be interesting, too. Yes, I'm with you. It's, it's Indianapolis the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for Michael Gartner and Sam Barton, Burnaby and uh, Randy Wehofer and oh, Tommy Birch gets to uh, get out. Now, does he have a tape recorder? I don't know what he does. Probably not. I guess he guess, just uses his iPhone. I'm guessing so, yeah. too, right? Uh, but good for all those folks that um, get an opportunity tonight to go to work and watch baseball. All right. We've been watching baseball. You've been betting it. Yes. I'm assuming that, uh, well, since the day ends in a Y, that today will be no different. Uh, are you playing baseball today? I am. It was a profitable night last night as I handed out a winner here, and we will try to do the same. This is not a jinx pick. This is You're betting against your twins? Kyle Gibson. Old friend, Kyle uh-huh. Gibson, will make his way to Target Field. He uh, had an interview with the Twins media two days ago, and he had mentioned that he had to talk his son into rooting for the Rangers, actually, when Dad pitches, because the Twins are his favorite team. His son, mm-hmm. who grew up, obviously, going to all the games and everything else, he's still a Twins fan, even with the old man pitching now for the Rangers. Here's the thing. Kyle Gibson's been really good. He's unleashed a new cutter, basically is what it's been, and he's been excellent for the Rangers. Plus 150. I think that's really good value on the Rangers. So I'm going to jump aboard there and, well, try to sweat it out one way or the other, either trying to win a bet or trying to see the Twins close it out with that bullpen that has been rough this year. Well, Cleveland and Kansas City, that's a big spot in that division. Mm-hmm. And Cubs play a couple today. Kershaw goes against Hendricks here in an hour and, what, 20 minutes, right? At 120? Yeah, and uh, going to see the Cardinals tonight against Jacob deGrom, which uh, becomes must-see television. Yes, it does. Absolutely. All right, over-under strikeouts for deGrom. I'm going to say the over-under is 9.5. I'll take the under. Taking the under against those Redbirds. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll hear Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes, and then the Fanatics at three. Of course, tomorrow brings another day of local programming, and the morning rush kicks it off. We have Cappy tomorrow at 11.05. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. We're Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.